March has arrived and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head over to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting March 15th. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong, so whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, that's all one word, B L U E W I R E, for your 50% sign up bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Night's Tradecast, brought to you by BetOnline.ag and Untuck It on RotovizRadio.com. So uh, we are deep, deep, deep into the rookie talk. So uh, we are here with my good friend Dan Sanyo. How's it going tonight, Dan? Good, good. I'm glad we're finally into the kind of the the meat and potatoes of rookie season. It's not quite draft time, but we're post combine. We've got all of those figures. We're starting to see some of the team reports and, and you know player meetings and all of that fun stuff. And we'll get to see a little bit more of what's going on here in the in the coming weeks as free agency will happen. And that'll kind of clear some things up as to who we might, you know, think goes where, depending on what teams do in free agency and some really awkward, horrible contracts for players that aren't worth it. And it's going to be fun, but I'm excited for today. This is something we haven't done yet. Yeah, and we've talked about, obviously, pretty much since probably late November, early December, about how this is one of the more interesting free agency classes because of the quarterback class. And basically, that quarterback class becomes what it is, I believe, March 14th. So by the end of this week, we'll find out who is going to be available for agency. We kind of expect that Dak will not be available but I think, for the most part, we expect everyone else to be available. Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Tom Brady. You know, there's going to be a lot to Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill might be, you know, teetering on whether he's going to get franchise tagged. But honestly, at this point, I would expect him not to be. So we might actually have a very deep free agency quarterback class. And so this time next week when we're recording, we'll be in the middle of the tampering season. And, you know, kind of just finding out where players are intending on going or where they might go. It's really crazy when you consider the free agent class and a group of probably four or maybe five quarterbacks in this draft that that everyone's kind of projecting as either a, a potential starter or maybe project with starter in its future. So there's a, a lot of quarterbacks to be had in a quarterback hungry league. So we'll we'll kind of see how this all plays out. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. For sure. All right. Before we get into the show today, we're going to be doing a quick dynasty trade cast rookie rankings it'll basically be my mind and dan's mind morphing together to to put together a top 12 of the superflex dynasty rookies so before we get into that nonsense we will talk about uh rotaviz uh make sure to get involved with rotaviz with rotaviz.com slash radio 10 percent discount to our rotaviz subscription 
all the great great content and tools that Rotovis gives you. It's the best time to do it with the off season. We got rookie drafts, rookie auctions, all those great things coming on. So make sure to support the podcast, rotovis.com slash radio, and get you a 10% discount. All right, Dan. We start off with the 101 in our rookie, the Dice Trade Cast Superflex rookie rankings. I did post a poll. Do we want a Dynasty Treecast one QB rankings or Superflex? And I think Superflex won 69%. Nice. So we'll, we'll start us off. And I think that the fact that this is Superflex kind of makes it one of the more easier decisions. Number one, and I'll basically we'll go back and forth, but I'll say number one, we have Joe Burrow. Do you agree here? Well, I, I don't 100% agree. I, I do think that he's going to be a Cincinnati Bengal. And I think that it makes all the sense. He was the big hype. He, he put, I mean, a historical year as far as numbers go and, and the way he looked. I personally, if I, you know, gun to my head, assuming health, I'm taking Tua, but that's only because I've seen him do it longer and I think he brings more to the table. That doesn't mean anything that I would take it away from Burrow. I think they're 1A, 1B in Superflex, and I'm, I wouldn't argue with anyone that wanted to take one over the other. So I can agree that Burrow I'm, is fine at one. Uh, I think the conversation coming up might get a little more interesting, though. Yeah, Burrow at one is more of a floor play, a safety play, which is weird because, like, you know, this time last year, Joe Burrow was, like, a projected, like, fifth-round NFL draft right. pick, and now he's the 101. And so I I think that he's the floor play because of, you know, a lack of injuries and what he was able to do in his final season at LSU with the production, and he's going to be the 101 in the NFL draft, so... Honestly, I weirdly, I, I think that he is the highest floor play of, of the quarterbacks and of the highest floor play pretty much of the entire class. So that's why I go 101 here. And when we talk about his projected landing spot, which is the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, it's weird because they're a bad team, but they have some pieces. You know, that they have Joe Mixon, who they're probably going to end up extending this offseason. They have Tyler Boyd, who is, you know, a lower end wide receiver one. One of the, if you're going to put him in the wide receiver two category, he's the the best wide receiver two in the NFL. So, you know, they need to add a little bit more weapons in free agency or the draft, but Burrow isn't going into a barren wasteland of talent. Very, very true. Um, and you're, you're absolutely right. The, the highest floor, I think by a, a large margin, I think the, the issue, you know, going to a, is he's more of a ceiling play. And I do think that his ceiling is pretty far ahead of where Joe, Joe Burrow's ceiling is, but, his floor could be underneath the basement. You know, it, we don't know the health 100%. And I think that's the biggest drawback, but I do think we saw enough from Tua where I think the ceiling's absolutely there. I just, yeah, Burrow's for sure the safe play. So, I mean, if you've got one oh one in your super flex league, it, it doesn't get much safer than that uh, unless you're, you know, locked and loaded at quarterback and can trade back or something. Yep. All right, we'll go to our next pick, which I think is our first disagreement. Um, I would say our 102 would be Jonathan Taylor. I, I think that obviously he's the RB1 in this class. I think that he's going to be a you know top 12 RB as early as this season. And that you know the risk of Tua behind him or the other running backs behind him is a little bit too high for me. And then I'll, I'll, I'll take Taylor, assuming that he goes in the first round of the NFL draft. Whether I mean... The one positive of the devaluation of the running back is that even the best running backs are going to end up going to good teams in that late first round. So that's kind of where I'm at with Taylor. I'm expecting him to go like a Baltimore or one of the, one of those later first round teams and maybe even Kansas City. And that would put turn him into, you know, easily the 102. 
but obviously there there is a conversation between him and who you think the 102 is. Yeah, and I mean you're not gonna get any argument from me as far as RB one. He's he's clearly the RB one in this class. I I don't really think it's even a conversation to be had. I think he's got a tier with his name solely placed in it. I just think that the ceiling of Tua and all of the positive reports, what we saw at Alabama, it's hard for me to put another position, especially when we're talking super flex. Yes, this is your RB1, but anytime you can get a quarterback, this is as cheap as they're going to get, 101 or 102. I mean, obviously, if you can get a Herbert or a Love or an Eason or a Fromm, if those guys pan out further back, the problem is, is getting someone with the ceiling this high, you're not going to get them for 102. You can't go get a top eight quarterback in Superflex for 102 or 101. It's just not a trade that is going to happen because of the extreme valuation of quarterbacks in the format. So I, I think I don't think I could possibly take any of the positional players in the first two picks aside from Burrow or Tua. Yeah, for me, and obviously when you're doing pre-draft rankings, there is some sort of assumption that like the current mock drafts are right. And under the current assumption, assumption that the current mock drafts are right and that Tua doesn't really fall out of the top five, it's either Miami at five or possibly even Washington at two. I would have a hard time arguing against taking Tua at two. So for the purposes of the Dynasty Trade Cast rookie rankings pre-draft, I will go along with Dan and say that Tua is the 102. So we have 101 Joe Burrow, Tua 102 at the Superflex rankings. And then I'm assuming that, that that we're safe to say that you are good with Jonathan Taylor being our 103. Consensus, Jonathan Taylor, 103. I, I do want to put one more little piece in for Tua at 102, just because then we can call it 102. You know, I mean, it... It's just, I, I think that's the only the only reasonable path. But yeah, uh, Jonathan Taylor, I think uh, there was, a, a, I mean, some conversation pre-combine of Swift being that guy. Uh, a very re- select few had Akers up as RB1. Uh, but what we saw Jonathan Taylor do in, in, in Wisconsin, and yes, the Wisconsin stigma, I get it. We all remember Ron Dane. We all remember Monty Ball. We all remember how poorly it went for a lot of Wisconsin guys. You just can't really ignore it. The, the numbers are there. The film's there. And now the, met, the the combine's there. So he athletically profiles out. And, yeah, it's Taylor, 103, I think, locked and loaded. Uh, definitely a top three pick in in every single format. Yeah, and it does seem a bit weak to have, like, a two-person tier, but – from this standpoint so far, I think Joe Burrow 101 is a tier. And until, like, honestly, if Tua goes two to, to Washington, he might enter that top tier with Joe Burrow. But at, at five or later, I probably end up putting him at 102 and 103 with the tier of Taylor and Tua. Um, and then I think the next tier starts with 104. And this is where we, we can debate if needed or might maybe we agree here. At 104, I have DeAndre Swift. Where are you on this one? I think Swift can be a very good running back. I think he still needs a little bit more polish. He does everything we want in our dynasty running backs these days. He does. I think he, I think he projects to do everything better. At least, I shouldn't say everything better. I think he's got more potential to catch passes, less potential to be a pure runner. 
than Jonathan Taylor. But I think net at the end, he's just slightly below Jonathan Taylor for now. However, I, I just I have Taylor locked in, and if we're talking non-superflex is 101, obviously in superflex he's 102, 103. I've got to get my my wide receiver needs in there, and a lot of guys are gonna go Jerry Judy. Twitter has made me entirely angry over all of the Henry Ruggs talk, both positive and negative, because Jesus Lord Almighty. Um, but actually, my 104 here and my wide receiver one is going to be Oklahoma Sooner C.D. Lamb. I bet nobody could have seen that one coming, because I haven't always been overly infatuated with Oklahoma Sooners players. Yeah, this is this is very close for me. Like I said, there's a bit of a tier break for me after Taylor and Tua and Superflex, and I think that the next tier consists of three players, and that would be DeAndre Swift, CeeDee Lamb, and Jerry Judy. And I think that it, it, I, as you know from a draft capital perspective, I hate people who judge landing spots and how they're, you know, affecting, you know, NFL careers and, and things like that. But honestly, I think that CD lamb, Jerry Judy and uh, Deandre Swift are all going to be first rounders. And I think that they, where I'm drafting them in super jerky drafts is going to have a big impact based on where they land. You know, if Swift goes to the chiefs, I don't think you can possibly take him past one Oh four. If Jerry Judy I mean, I'm trying to think of a great wide receiver running spot right now. But if Jerry Judy goes to a great running spot, he falls to the 104 or maybe 103 a little bit higher. So I think that the combination of all the all three of these guys being similar in draft capital, you kind of got to judge which offense they go to and, you know, the long-term viability of those offenses. So I guess we got to kind of make a trade cast decision here. Uh, do we want to go Swift or Lamb? So I guess – Judy's going to end up sixth, I'm, I'm assuming. So 4-5, how are we deciding 4-5 four, uh, four, with Swift and Lamb? Well, Swift would be my personal sixth. So uh, I would say if, if we can compromise and go Lamb, Swift, Judy. I mean, we're compromising by giving you the higher <laughs> rank. On all these, but I'm, I, think, I'm, I, think, I think the market dictates that Swift will go first. I, I think that the community has kind of out, been outspoken about the running backs leading this class, even though I think the wide receivers more than carry their weight and could legitimately be in the conversation for that top pick if Jonathan Taylor didn't put up such a ridiculous combine and have the tape and, and stats to back it up. So um, I, I think – I think the community is going to have Swift right there with Jonathan Taylor, especially if he goes in that late first, early second territory, which I would expect Jonathan Taylor to go. And, you know, it it could end up being a toss-up between all four of those guys if for some reason the running backs slide and both these wide receivers end up going top 15, which I think is very likely. Yeah, and you look at Judy. He had uh, 1,315 yards in 2018, 19.3 yards, yards per catch, 14 touchdowns. And then in 2019, a little bit of a, you know, this this is how good Jerry Judy is. His disappointment was 11.63 and 10 touchdowns. You know, like he, he's still very much a very good prospect and going to be, you know, a top 15, top 20 NFL draft pick. So, you know, I, I do think that he he's sixth here, but I, I – I, so right now, what we have is Joe Burrow 101. We have Tua 102, Taylor, Lamb, 
Swift, Judy. That's our top six as of now. And honestly, from, from a rare instance, like I said, I, I love draft capital, and I think that it p- plays a big part in my draft values. I don't really see, and uh, assuming all six of these guys get drafted day one, I don't see where they land or where they land in particular, like, you know, 14 versus 17 overall or 10 versus 19 overall. I don't really see that really affecting their draft position unless it's like CD Lamb goes 22 and Judy goes six. Yeah, I think I think the big difference maker, especially for the second this tier of guys, this four, five, six, like you said, I think this is really going to be the spot that depends on where they physically go, not by number, but by team. If, you know, if Swift goes somewhere that they already have a back, you know, if they will filled up backfield or something and he goes in the mid second for some odd reason, I mean, it's it's going to affect how we feel about DeAndre Swift, even though we think that talent always wins out. It only wins out when it's the opportunity has been given. So it's it's going to be really interesting, especially with these three, to to kind of slot them in once we know exactly where they've gone and how high they've gone. But like you said, I mean, if it's if it's top 12 or top 20, that's not going to really make a difference. But if now we start seeing these guys going after like 30, well, now we kind of have a decision to make, and and it's. It, this could this could be the the cush of like the cushion of the first round because you know you have three great players. Some people might have other guys in this in this spot, but I don't know that landing spot necessarily matters in the big scheme of things. It's just going to matter for how we feel about this, you know, these three guys where we can make our preference. Now, before we get into our ad, as well as the fact that, you know, just the second half of our first uh, 12 rankings, if there's one player that could sneak in based on draft capital or based on landing spot, who is currently, without like giving away your next rankings, who who could sneak into this top six that seems like a pretty solid top six? Uh, the only guy, and, and he's not next in my rankings, but... The only guy I legitimately could see sneaking in there would be Justin Herbert. If he gets crazy high draft capital, he goes really early. He goes right in the same realm as Tua. And, you know, maybe one of the better quarterback needy landing spots. I think he could make a push for it. I think he's got the game to be an NFL starter and a decent one, not a great one. But even decent quarterback points are worth more than wide receiver one points, you know, in super flex. If, you know, obviously that's big expectations for CD lamb and Jerry Judy, but I think we all can agree that they both look pretty special. So if Justin Herbert goes super early, uh, I think he could make that push for top six. Now let's hear a word from our friends over at untuck it. Ever wonder why traditional button ups look so long and baggy. Well, that's because they were never meant to be worn untucked. Untucked shirts were specifically designed to be worn especially that way. Untucked. No matter your size or shape, their shirts are perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Don't just take my word for it. Try Untucked for yourself. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, for 20% off your first order. They even offer free shipping and returns on all orders in the U.S. 
That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com and promo code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. So let's move on to our second half of our uh, top 12 rookie ranking super flex for the nice trade cast. So, uh, Dan, before the break, you mentioned uh, Justin Herbert being a possibility to sneak into that top six. Well, he is my number seven. Justin Herbert's my number seven. Right now, I have him projected as a top six NFL draft pick. I think he's going to the Chargers. I think that his absolute NFL draft floor is Indy at 13. And so I I think that he might end up going into a little bit better of a situation than, you know, his guys that are getting drafted ahead of him, whether it's Tua or Joe Burrow. Even when I said I like Joe Burrow's situation he's going into. So I, I, I think that... Herbert has the highest ceiling of the players left. I think that his floor is decently high. And, you know, with his rushing ability, that's obviously a bonus from a fantasy perspective. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of Herbert at this stage of the game. And that if you're using that 107 in Superflex, I would gladly do it on Justin Herbert. Yeah, I said that he wasn't my, my next spot, but he could be the one that moves in. Now that I'm looking at it, I feel like he makes more more sense, especially because of that that solid tier through six. That's like you can, for me, set it in stone. My pick was Cam Akers, but I really do think that Justin Herbert's he makes the most sense here. As soon as you said Indy at thirteen, it was like, oh wow, I didn't even think about that. If he goes Indy, I mean, assuming they don't go after one of these other guys, or maybe. They let Herbert sit for a season, and they bring in a Tom Brady, or they bring in a Philip Rivers, or one of these guys just for the bridge, to you know to get Herbert that one one clipboard season. Even though I think he's probably ready to go right away, I wouldn't hate the the opportunity to learn behind Tom Brady or even Philip Rivers, even though he's kind of a douchebag. Um, yeah, I think I'm comfortable just saying Herbert seven. That just makes too much sense. Yeah, Herbert's our R107 for nice trade cast purposes. And the, the fact that, like, you know, there's even still a possibility. Obviously, this is me wishful thinking from the Bucks part. But imagine him with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and O.J. Howard. Like, <laughs> how pretty would that be? Or T.Y. Hilton and that crew. So, yeah, there's a lot to, to, to like about uh, Justin Herbert right now. And, you know, as we get closer to the draft, it seems more and more likely that QBs are going to go earlier than we expected. Yeah, no doubt. And there's enough decent ones where they're just going to keep pushing up higher and higher. Yep. All right, we're going to go to our next one, which I think is going to be our biggest disagreement. Our next one is going to be the 108. And right now I have J.K. Dobbins sliding in the 108. I'll give my case for the 108, and then you can give yours. J.K. Dobbins, I mean, we even talked about it a couple weeks ago, how I think that he is the least likely to live up to his draft position you know, when he was pretty much being drafted at one of QB, the 105 to 107 range. I, I still don't love him as, as a prospect, but I think that the odds of J.K. Dobbins slipping past like pick 40, pick 45 in the NFL draft are very, very low, which is going to give him the opportunity to be at RB1 in NFL offense and get those carries and get those targets. And so while you might not love J.K. Dobbins as a talent, it's kind of hard to deny the opportunity he's going to get near one as a top 50 NFL draft pick. So that's why I have him there. I, I, I think that maybe your your pick here is going to be Akers. And I think that he's more likely to slip in the NFL draft. So 
if we end up going to the interval draft and Akers and Dobbins are within 10 picks of each other, I'm fine moving Akers above him. But as of now, I think Dobbins has a safer floor from an interval draft perspective. Yeah, Dobbins is somebody I never really got on board with. I know he was he was kind of a Debbie darling coming out, and obviously the Ohio State landing spot shoots up everybody's boards immediately. And he definitely didn't disappoint. I mean, the numbers are all there, and you know he he was catching enough passes to where I'm comfortable in, in saying that he could reasonably do all of those things at the next level. I just Man, I feel like it's the Ohio State system back. I don't, I don't really look at him and see, wow, that's an NFL runner. I, I see a very good college football player, but not, not a transcendent talent. I, I just, I, I feel like Cam Akers maybe doesn't have the potential floor that J.K. Dobbins has, but his ceiling, because Cam Akers is. Still, I mean, I think you can technically say he's probably still learning how to play running back. And he probably made the worst pick he could have in going to Florida State. They have been nothing short of atrocious. He has gotten absolutely zero help in his three seasons. And he's still run for almost 3,000 yards, still catching passes somewhat consistently and looking good enough doing it without any help hasn't had the offensive line quarterback play has been abysmal nothing on the outside to free th- things up for him I, I mean this is it's kind of I, I don't know I I don't see it with Dobbins I think Akers to me is a potential NFL player but yeah I, I, I get I mean I could be convinced of JK Dobbins only if only because of draft capital I just don't think he's going to get it. I think he's going to slide too. I think he's going to be a late, a late second round pick at best. Yeah. And the biggest like argument you can have when you're talking about between a Dobbins and acres argument would be if you put Dobbins at FSU and you put acres at Ohio state acres might be in the conversation with nuts with, yeah. with, with Taylor and, and Swift and probably even safely above Swift at this point. But the fact that he basically couldn't produce because his offensive line was worse than a high school offensive line. His team, uh, his whole team, not even just his offensive line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the main parts of a court, uh, running back, the right. quarterback and the offensive line, both atrocious with FSU. Um, so that's kind of why I'm willing to concede that the 108B uh, Acres. Uh, are you willing to concede the 108B Dobbins? I just don't see it. I mean, I, I'm fine. Well, again... A lot of a lot of, and I think it has to. Or, no, I, I, I messed the numbers up there. 108 be Acres, 109 would be Dobbins. I mean, yeah, I I can't hate it. I guess I, I think that again, going back to the community and and kind of what the market's going to dictate, I think it's going to end up pushing him there. Now, me personally, I won't I won't be anywhere near that. I do think that it's fair to have him there. If he does end up going in like the top 50 or 60 picks, maybe I, I guess I could see it. I just, there's at least one other running back. I like more than JK Dobbins in this kind of area. So I, I think we can settle on putting him there um, only because I know we're going to have at least one agreement here. All right. So we, we've got 
three picks left here. We have uh, through nine picks. We have Joe Burrow 101, uh, two attack, two attacks 102, Jonathan Taylor 103. Uh, we have Ceedee Lamb 104, John, uh, DeAndre Swift 105, Jerry Judy 106. Then a large, large tier break, pretty much the the size of the Savannah Desert. Savannah <laughs> Desert. I don't know what the desert is, but we got a tier break, and then we got uh, Herbert, Acres, Dobbins. Now 110. Why don't you start us off? Because I've been starting these off. So why don't you go with your take of who's 110? Sure, I would absolutely love to. This is someone that I have kind of been on, been a fan of since he came out of high school and uh, committed to Clemson. That of course would be T. Higgins. He's got the size. He's got the numbers. Obviously, being in an offense with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Ross. Uh, doesn't hurt, and obviously Travis Etienne being back there, and my one-time love, Tavian Feaster, who never panned out. That that offense was built for success, but T brings everything to the table that you would want, and back-to-back solid seasons. I wouldn't say outlandish, uh, but again, he, I mean, he is splitting targets with, with Justin Ross, so, you know, just over 2,000 yards in his last two seasons and 25 touchdowns. It's it's hard to look past that. He's going to have good enough draft capital, I think, especially coming out of wide receiver university. I I just it's hard to to look past him. I would have loved to have him higher, but there's enough talent in this in this class where where even someone with the ability of T Higgins slides to the late first, which is kind of why we've been saying, "Hey, by by 2021, like 3 years ago, because we all kind of did see this coming, and now it's really shaping out. Now, one thing we haven't hit upon is that kind of a topic every rookie draft season is, what's your line? When are you willing to start trading the current pick for a 2021 first? And honestly, I feel like I've seen less of that this year, even with the number of seniors that return. You know, you had Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, along with, you know, your traditional crop of, you know, rookie, I mean, guys who are protected to be rookies with Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and all those guys. But I feel like we've seen less of that talk this year. But if we're going to talk about where you would officially say, okay, I would trade this pick for the 2021 first, 110 and T. Higgins would be the absolute earliest for me to be where I would say, let's flip this for 2021 first. But even then, I think it's a little bit early, especially in Superflex. I think when you come down to one QB, maybe you would you would come to this spot a little bit earlier. But as far as T. Higgins, I'm all aboard having him as our, our as our 110. I think he's easily going to be the wide receiver three. And yeah, I, I'm a big Higgins fan. I think he, you know he broke out early at Clemson in a spot that you know it's kind of hard to because all the talent there. And the only real negative I have on Higgins is that he didn't work out at the combine, and that's like kind of a, t- a cautionary tale of like what's he hiding. Yeah, I mean, when you've got a whole bunch of crazy athletic guys going out and and putting up crazy numbers and whatnot, I don't think we can put T in that elite athletic profile. You know, we, we can't profile him that way. But he's got everything you'd want aside from a blazing 40 and a crazy stupid three cone. Like, cool. <laughs> he's got some really amazing tape. He had the profile coming out, uh, coming out of high school. So I... I just I feel like he's got everything we want. Team big wide receivers better be on his back or or they're a bunch of phonies. 
So to come back off my point of the 2021 first, where do you think your line is on what pick you'd be willing to trade for for a uh, uh, quote-unquote random 2021 first? The next one. This is this is my line of not worth – like Higgins, Higgins has to be inside my window of I would rather have this now than anything in the future. That makes sense. All right, let's go to our next one. Our next one is 111. And this is where we go back to the tip in the quarterback pool for me. And you can debate whether you agree or disagree or not. Um, I have Jordan Love here. Uh, he's a guy who I, I liked a, as a Debbie prospect. And now he's being you know, projected as a mid first round pick, whether it be Indy or Tampa. He's got a high AYA in 2018 and then, you know, kind of dropped off in 2019 because the talent slash coaching around him just evaporated. And you kind of mentioned before the show that you might not have him quite this high. But I, I do think that – and this is going to happen whenever there's a, a big, you know, relatively underrated prospect become the best quarterback in the NFL. But, like, Jordan Love is getting those Patrick Mahomes-type, you know, vibes or Patrick Mahomes-type comparisons. And so while I, I, I think that might be a little bit ridiculous, but, you know, the, the 9.4 AYA in 2018 is something to be promising for Jordan Love – and so I I have him here at 111, and I think that, you know, he's going to go to a good situation in that mid-first round. Yeah, I mean, you can make a case for him in super flex here. It's, it's again, the floor versus ceiling. I think his floor is just about non-existent, and his ceiling is, I mean, extremely high. It's right up there with Tua for me as far as ceilings go. Uh, I would, if we're talking ceiling, I'm going to take him over Burrow. I'm going to take him over Herbert. Problem is, is the floor has to be part of the equation, and it's it's mostly non-existent for me. I do think he he's still a first-round pick. He is a project a little bit, uh, and he's going to have to be surrounded by enough talent to make it worth it. Now, if he is going mid or late first, those are going to be the teams that are somewhat built, ready to go, that maybe just lost a quarterback in free agency or maybe have a quarterback soon to be retiring or whatever it happens to be. So love for me is if I had a big board, he'd be in the top three or four of it. Uh, I, I can't say that I absolutely hate having him here. Anytime you can get a quarterback with a reasonable chance for success and an extremely high floor or a high ceiling, I'm sorry. Uh, it's, it'd be hard not to take him. There's still just a couple of wide receivers I like here. I think Jalen Rager is probably who I would inevitably go with just because I do think that he brings a high enough floor and a, a high enough ceiling as well to the table. Obviously 2019 isn't exactly what we had hoped it to be for him. Um, but I think we can let a lot of his 2018 and his strong film from 2019 do the talking. He uh, also showed up and, and did some work aside from the 40 at the combine and I think we'll see him moving up quite a few boards as well. And, you know, he, he kind of profiles out as to what the NFL is, is kind of becoming these five eleven, six foot, six one guys that can burn our precision route runners, great hands. I mean, Rager's got everything you'd want in a top wide receiver in a class. He just happens to have two elite ones and T Higgins in a class with him. And again, I know a lot of people like Henry Ruggs and and all of that stuff. For me, it would be Jalen Rager here. 
All right, so that's how we'll wrap up this this rookie this rookie rankings rookie draft, if you want to call it. Uh, we will say that Jordan Love and Superflex is the 111, and I will agree with you, Jalen Rager at 112 would be the answer. Uh, obviously, I'm a big fan of you know versatility and guys that show what they can do with the ball in their hands, and Jalen Rager's that guy. He has the rushing versatility, he has the punt return versatility, so he's a guy that I, I think that when we're talking about the wide receiver four after after Lamb, Judy, and then, you know, there's the, kind of the tier of you got Higgins, Rager, we got Ruggs, depending on who you talk to, Justin Jefferson. There's kind of a large tier of wide receivers after those first two, but I do think that Rager kind of belongs in the top two of that of that initial second tier. Absolutely. If you're now – so – and, and we can, we're going to talk, obviously, more rookies and stuff as we go, and we'll have a little more in-depth – not necessarily rankings, but we'll be talking about guys that we didn't talk about today. But just quickly before we wrap, Nathan, if there, is there one or two guys you think that could have made this cut, maybe next on your list, guys that you would either expect to see a jump into this top 12, assuming strong draft profile or draft stock and potentially so- strong landing spot? Yeah, I mean, Ruggs is going to be a first-round pick, which is going to make him very, very tough to take out of the first round of rookie drafts. Hollywood Brown was a first-round pick, and he went in the second and just about not in any drafted. Mind. I did not let that happen in any of my drafts. <laughs> Me um, neither. <laughs> but, but then the, the running back side of that is A.J. Dillon. I, I think that he belong like AJ. We didn't talk to C.E.H., Clyde edwards there. I think that A.J. Dillon and Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Lair are the two top running backs that we left off this list. And I think that very easily with good landing spots or even good draft capital that both those guys could end up being in the, this bottom half of the first. And I think that in one QB leagues, both Dillon and Edwards-Lair end up in that 109 to 112 range, especially if like we talked about a couple weeks ago that if Dillon runs a 4-5, then he is a day two pick. He ran that 4-5. Right. And so now he should be a second round, maybe early third round draft pick. So I, I think that, you know, in terms of a one QB league, the guys we left off would be Edwards Allaire and AJ Dillon and Ruggs. And in terms of Superflex, I mean, I guess let's wrap up the show with this. What are you doing with Jalen Hurts? So I kind of had this weird feeling the other day <laughs> that we don't have any DAC news because Jerry's about to screw all of this up. He's going to... Now, hold on. Jerry's going to sign Tom Brady to a one-year vet-min-whatever contract with all sorts of crazy extras that he can get, and they're going to draft Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is like if Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott had a baby that couldn't run as well or throw as well, but he was kind of there. That's what's going to happen, and it's going to be the grossest second-round pick ever. And, like, three minutes before it happens, there's going to be some, like, sign-and-trade with Dak, and it's going to get them a whole bunch of picks, and it, it's going to be it's going to be gross, but it, it came through my mind, and Jerry's just dumb enough to do it. Well, there we go. That's another edition of Night Street Cast. Uh, that would be a fun way to spend draft weekend. Uh, so, honestly, I hope that happens just for the entertainment factor. Uh, but those those are our top 12, along with our you know next few after that. 
Dan, thank you so much for uh, giving your insights and basically controlling the draft by telling me what we're going to do. That's and right. I, I took control. I, I, at the very <laughs> least, Trey Castle Centers, uh, I took control. I made sure Jordan Love was 111. That's right. You, you can always have that. Hang your hat on it and enjoy it because next time, not happen. I'm getting all 12, okay? <laughs> Alrighty, that'll wrap us up for Notice Night Tradecast. Make sure to check out our sponsors, Untuck It and BetOnline.ag, and make sure to get Rotoviz Radio subscription, slash radio to get 10% off your discount. All right, and that should do it for this week, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Ready? Kadoo!